G'day folks, Jono Duncan. In years and decades to come, rugby league fans all over will remember where they were the day the National Rugby League was suspended due to the coronavirus pandemic. They'll remember exactly what they were doing the moment the future of rugby league in Australia was cast into doubt. For Big Al and I, we'll remember recording a podcast in our little cocoon and missing the whole thing. When we went into the studio, the NRL was still clinging grimly onto the hope it could soldier on. When we came out, it was off. We really are in one of those moments of history. You look away for one second and everything has changed when you swing back. So what follows doesn't account for the big news, but we still think it's a juicy listen. We talk about, among other things, our conflicted feelings on seeing rugby league played over the weekend, and perhaps appropriately given the recent news, we list the things we'll really miss over the next weeks and months. For what it's worth, and I can't speak for Big Al, my feelings upon hearing the news was a mixture of deflation and sadness mixed with a little bit of relief. As you'll hear on the show, I was uncomfortable with the decision of the NRL to play on, but seeing rugby league over the weekend made me happy. Now I guess I'm feeling a little more comfortable with the decision, but a lot less happy. Anyway, you've got to play the cards you've been dealt, and as a society we need to batten down the hatches. And if we do it properly, the game might just be still in a recognisable state when we come out the other end. We can only hope, and so my pledge to you is to remain defiantly, if naively, optimistic. In the meantime, here's our latest effort. We really hope you enjoyed. Hit it, Slug. Progressive Rugby League Yes, the sound we won't hear for a while. Or will we? Maybe we can talk about that a bit later. In the meantime, it's John O'Duncan here, welcoming you to another instalment of a humble little podcast we like to call the Progressive Rugby League Podcast. Now, someone recently made the point to me that I use the word humble for our podcast quite often and noted that bragging about how humble you are is not very humble. I suppose that's true, but come on. When you're as humble as we are, so goddamn humble, so humble it hurts, you know. But I digress. It's time for me to welcome my great comrade, the man I turn to in times of crisis. It's my big palbert, Big Albert. Hello, sir. Jono, thank you so much. Great to be here. Can't stop, won't stop. Let's keep going. Yes, we are apart again this week. It's obviously a crazy, moving feast of a time. A colleague in my workplace has been in contact with someone who may or may not have had coronavirus. So as a precaution, I'm laying very low. I feel fine. Gentle per gentle as they say in beautiful besieged L'Italia, but I've been staying at home, working from home, all that. Okay, Big Al, let's get into today's show, shall we? How did you find your weekend experience, including, but not limited to, your weekend rugby league experience? So this was the first week of having no crowds, Mm. and as we'd all anticipated, we all say rugby league is a TV game, it translates perfectly to the small screen. The not having any crowds shouldn't have that much effect for the on-field product. I felt that all rang true, so 
a lot of it was all the same. You know, commentary, as I spoke about last week, was the same, if not better. They were really they were really filling in the gaps, I think, in a meaningful way for the lack of noise in certain places. I mm. was really, really happy with all that. You know, the close-in shots of on-field action were the same. Mm-hmm. The lighting was the same. Musical interludes were all the same. One thing I really found was the same, but also noticeably different in a kind of creepy way, was when you don't have the roar of the crowd at certain points, it heightens the noise of what's really going on. And the one that really stood out to me was when referees call for the bunker yeah. for a try decision. So what is usually so-and-so, please check this and then check grounding, I realized became really slow and breathy. <laughs> Almost to the point that it sounded a little bit creepy. And it's like, I kept imagining if someone was talking to me like that down the phone, I think I'd get a little bit scared. <laughs> but other than that, I thought it was as, as close to the real thing. I mean, it was a real thing, but it was as close to the same look and feel as you could get. Just missing noise when big things happened, I yeah. think. Well, um, but other than that, it was a pretty good alternative to what we could have had. Well, that's right. I mean, we obviously are accustomed to a lot of crowd noise, but we human beings, we're pretty adaptable. We get used to things pretty quickly so i wonder if in a couple of weeks if rugby league continues if we won't even think about crowds after a while anyway big al for me it's been a week of mild melancholy i'd say which is is not the worst feeling in the world it's that kind of feeling that maximizes your goosebump output when you put on just the right song but of course it's also a feeling of emotional vulnerability i suppose like i said i've been working from home and with my girlfriend elsewhere for a bit i actually had no human contact for about 72 hours this i found well, a little tricky, but it was softened by technology. We're lucky to some extent that this coronavirus crisis is unfolding in an age of technology, which makes social connection relatively easy. Nothing beats, you know, a personal physical connection, but being able to video call family, friends and colleagues, it helps. And if this week taught me anything, Big Al, it's that I need people much more than I thought. People. Who'd have thought? Which brings me to rugby league. I have to admit... I'm uncomfortable with the decision of the NRL to continue playing. Some days, very uncomfortable. But to be fair, I don't think anyone, even those who are 100% behind the decision, are comfortable with it. But my discomfort with that decision definitely doesn't lead to outrage, especially when you consider the societal aspect. I know I'm not alone in having the experience of a, a tough moment or day at work, being soothed by knowledge that the rugby league will be on that evening. All the stresses can be put aside for a few hours as we plug into the rugby league community, either physically by going to a game or via the various forms of technology. That's a comfort. And I have to say, while I'm unsure if it's the right call, I and millions of others have been comforted by having that connection still available in some way. What's that value to society? Well, it's got to be something. So I guess my reflection is really about my discomfort, about the comfort I felt over the weekend. I want the NRL to continue, but... Is that purely out of self-interest or do I believe it's good for society? What does the real me think? I really can't tell. For those who have read Homo Deus, maybe there's no such thing as the real me. Who the hell am I? What the hell is happening? Why is my head spinning? And why am I so goddamn humble? (laughs) That's a, a really great point. I often get into these philosophical ethical debates with myself about what what my true motivation is and whether Mm. I actually want something to happen Mm. or am I just convincing myself that what I want to happen is the right thing so I can justify myself wanting it to happen. It's a a scary, scary place. And if you think about it too much, you'll get nowhere. So you might as well just pick a side and go with it. Thank you, Big Al. But yes, 
like last week, things are happening so quickly. As we speak, the NRL is continuing, but things could change any second. So to mitigate the risk of this dating too quickly, let's start reflecting on what we saw over the weekend. Before we get to talking about the NRL experience, though, let's give a warm shout out to our rugby league family in the Northern Hemisphere, who are doing it tough on many levels. And of course, they've been without their rugby league for a couple of weekends now. So we just want you guys to know out there that we're thinking about you and that we long for the moment when the Super League and Championship will be up and running again, not least so we can dust off our French-Canadian Rugby League update theme song again. Okay, so let's chat about what we saw on the weekend. First up, Big Al, what was watching the games in front of empty stadiums like for you? Well, I mean, outside of all the things I spoke about before about it being the same, a little bit different, and noticing and noticing some things that you wouldn't notice otherwise... It really just made me incredibly want to go to watch a live game of rugby league. Mm. Desperately so. Seeing two games at Leichhardt Oval that I couldn't be a part of, but where Leichhardt Oval was also just stripped bare, not a soul in the place other than a few lucky souls who live in the terraces on Mary Street that get to hang over the back fence. You weren't one of those people, did you? I I tell you what, I did make inquiries, but it was a pretty exclusive list. Okay. But I was, I am still so desperate to see a live game. I didn't go to a game in the first round for whatever reason. I couldn't, I couldn't. For the games I wanted to go to, I couldn't, but I thought, oh, maybe I should just go to the Thursday night at Bankwest to see Parramatta and Bulldogs anyway, because I'm so excited for the season. I said, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. There'll be other games. Um. And there aren't any other games that I can go to. (laughs) Oh, the regret. I just hope I get to go to one sometime soon, because seeing those empty stadiums just made me, yeah, it made me miss it even more, even though I was watching it live and I had access to just as many games as I normally would. Mm. The fact that I couldn't be there made me want to be there so much more. Well, later in the show, ladies and gentlemen, we will list off things that we will miss over the next weeks and months. So you've given us a hint, but I'm sure there are plenty of other things. Now, for me, you know, it wasn't actually as weird as I thought it would be with the empty stadiums. It was a little strange at first, but actually most adult sport is amateur sport and played in front of no one. Not even family and friends go to watch adults play amateur sport. So as I watched and played plenty of adult amateur sport in my time, there was a ring of familiarity about the vibe of the whole thing for me. After a while, you don't even notice it, especially if it's a good game. Players kind of make their own atmosphere and it works. So yeah, that's how I found it. What about the TV coverage, Big Al? I watched a fair bit of the, the Nine coverage. I didn't pick up anything dramatically different from what they normally do, except to continually tell us how weird the experience was, which of course (laughs) it was. The only thing I did notice was they used music for the replays, which I liked. But of course, music for replays is not an innovation. They used to do that all the time in the 80s and 90s. I remember watching the ABC Match of the Day on Saturday afternoons as a kid. Warren Boland, Peter Jackson, what a combination. And when a try was scored, the music played. I loved it. They also used to do it quite a bit on radio from memory. I don't have Fox Big Al, but I noticed they had a goggle box style thing going with a family of fans from each team watching and reacting to the coverage. That was yeah, pretty that, clever. What was that like? Yeah, that's right. So for each game, they had a fan, whether it was like a bloke and a couple of mates at the pub or a multi-generational family watching at home. They had, I guess, I guess they were on a like a FaceTime call or something with the coverage team and every now and then they'd cut to them when something happened mm. in favour of each team. It was, I mean, it was a nice little innovation, I guess. It was it was a bit of fun. Bit One crazy. thing a couple of the commentary teams did, I don't know if they did it for every game, a couple of times they deliberately stopped speaking. They said to the audience, now we're going to stop commentary for 30 seconds to a minute and crank up the, um, the on-field mics. 
Right. To sort of get a real on-field sound experience, which is something that we just, because there's a crowd, we've never been able to do it before. So let's just do that and see what it's like and see how it sounds. And I thought, I, I like that. I like that. It's sort of like, well, this is new territory for all of us. Let's try something that we can only try in a live environment and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Cool. Now, what else could they do? We spoke last week about adding fake crowd noise and implanting virtual crowd visuals. And we have some mail about that, so we'll get to that shortly. But I was interested to see after the first game, some people actually suggesting the coverage should add fake crowd noise to enhance the experience. Well, I don't know about that. I reckon if you're going to go to do one, you have to do the other two. You can't just have fake crowd noise without the virtual crowd. It would look silly. Same as if you had the virtual crowd without the crowd noise. It's got to be an all-in scenario if you're going to go down that path. And anyway, you'd have to do it really well not to be derided as... The breathing, the panting, the moaning, the screaming. Deep Seinfeld reference there. I've, I've put a lot of thought into what could networks do in regards to the lack of crowd noise. Mm. And a crowd noise isn't just like noise in the background. Crowd noise is like the crowd itself. It's a living, breathing thing with mm. an identity of its own, a personality of its own, and it reacts in totally unpredictable ways to things that happen on the field. Yeah, There's no way you could accurately replicate what a crowd does, what the crowd noise is or what it does mm. to a game. It, you could not even get anywhere near close to it. So therefore, I think you shouldn't even try it. Crowds react when a half break is made or when a ball is dropped or when a call goes against the home team in really different ways that you can't predict. That's right. And it's just, it's not worthwhile even trying to get close because it's impossible. Well, I mean, you, like me, probably grew up watching a lot of American sit and listening to canned laughter and that's not easy to do itself but it's much easier because it's pre-recorded and you can sort of spend hours and hours trying to make the laugh sound totally natural but a live sporting experience to get this like you say the punch of the crowd at those specific moments virtually impossible big al what about the on-field stuff did you notice any difference in intensity or style of play no not at all i thought a lot of those games most of them were really fun to watch no one was playing like the stakes were any different there was as much jubilation in a close win as there was despair in a close loss i thought the action the intensity the skill desire all that sort of stuff remained unchanged which uh, is a testament to the players i guess yeah the only difference was noise Mm, yeah, I agree. I didn't see anything markedly different. The ball didn't suddenly get thrown around like a basketball. Although the West Tigers Knights game was starting to seem like that. Uh, and I thought the intensity overall was still pretty high. One thing I did notice was that the players, when there had been a 50-50 call about a, a drop ball or something, they didn't blow up like they normally might. And I think that was because of a lack of crowd noise. That the reaction of the crowd can really amp up the atmosphere obviously in those situations and when there's no reaction from the stands the players seemed a bit unsure if their complaint was justified they're like hey i didn't drop that or did i it's hard to tell actually there were hands everywhere now fair enough ref let's play on that's kind of the the vibe i got from the players i think that that's a really good point one one thing i noticed with it seemed like the referees were a lot more relaxed in their decision making Mm. And I think, again, not having a crowd to react to what they say, and again, as you suggested, spur on either team to react to how the crowd is reacting to what the referee has said. Taking that away, I, I think you, you take a lot of pressure off the refs, and they seemed a lot more calm in, in the calls that they made. It must be nice to turn up at a workplace where you normally get abused and be met with silence. I mean, how's the, <laughs> yeah. how's the serenity that they must be thinking? <laughs> Good on the refs. Now, another reflection I had came to me on Saturday and Sunday morning. I woke up and reached for my phone. Yes, I know, I shouldn't have it in the bedroom. Get off my case! And normally I'd check 
the Toulouse Olympique score, and or switch on a bit of the BBC radio coverage of the Super League for my morning walk or run. But then I realized, I can't do that. And then the, uh, the mild melancholy came back as I realized, gee, I won't be able to do that for a while. And then I realized, wow, there's actually a bunch of stuff I won't be able to do for a while. So to help me deal with that somewhat scary feeling, I thought I'd write down a list of some of the things I'll miss over the next few weeks and months. I find writing stuff down helps sometimes. So here's my list. And Big Al, I know you've prepared one too. But for me, number one on the list is walking down to Henson Park and watching a Newtown game on the hill with a sausage in hand, and that's a barbecued sausage, as in from the supermarket, and feeling the winter sunshine warm my tender bones. That's number one. Number two, waking up in the middle of the night and checking the Toulouse Olympique and Toronto Wolfpack scores. I'll miss the live Twitter updates from the great Thomas Hattorell, the SA GIFs, and the humorous, if clunky, translations provided through Google Translate. I'll miss watching games at the pub with my mates. Is there anything better, Big Al? I play squash with various friends. There's nothing better than time you hit out to finish just before kickoff of a Saturday or Sunday Arvo game. And last on my list for the moment is meeting other rugby league fans at the games or at the pubs or at the merch stands. Those are generally such positive experiences and you go away just feeling good about the world. Big Al, that's my list. What about yours? Yeah, your list and my list don't differ too much. You spoke about walking down to Hanson Park on a, a mild winter's afternoon to watch a game of park footy with a sausage in hand and you know friends all around. I'd like to take that and just amplify it. It's, I will definitely miss that. But on top of that as well, it's I'll miss the opportunity to casually come across games happening. One of the things I love is strolling around any Sydney neighbourhood, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon and just stumbling across a game of sport, but in my case specifically a game of rugby league, mm. whether it's a pickup game or a you know organised junior, seniors, whatever. And just hanging around and watching it. I, I really love the... We've already said House of Serenity, but like, I really love the... It's, it's almost calming, I guess, and it's just a nice way... You know, I, I'll describe it as... And I, I don't, I'm not making a joke when I say this. It's joyful. It mm. is, like, it's bliss, I suppose. And it's just a really nice delight that you get to consume. And stumbling upon unexpected neighbourhood rugby league, I'll, I'll really miss that. Yeah. And outside of that, there is... I'm sure I'm not the only fan that wakes up on game day when you're about to attend a game and having that feeling of anticipation and it's like a a real delicate blend of excitement, anxiety, (laughs) trepidation, happiness, all mixed together. All in perfect balance. Yeah. But all in perfectly manageable levels of everything and thinking about you know, what time am I going to get there? What's going to be my like pre-game routine? Where am I going to sit? Mm. Which of my many, many items of merch am I going to wear? All that sort of stuff, that pre-match experience, I will severely miss. There's that feeling on days like those where you genuinely think anything could happen and it could be <laughs> the greatest day of my life. It often yeah. isn't, but there's that anticipation <laughs> yeah. is often better than the experience. Yeah. There you go. I think... That while there's a, a tinge of sadness to all this, we have to remember that those experiences are not lost forever, of course. Uh, we will get them back. And when we do, I'm sure we'll appreciate them so much more. It also outlines the importance of doing the right thing and, and social distancing ourselves as much as we can so we can get back to our normal lives without too much carnage left in the virus's wake. And on a similarly serious note, thinking about these things and about what's in store over the next few months can get us down mentally. So it's it would be negligent of us not to remind everyone out there listening that there are some great social services out there that we should use if we ever need 
a hand in that department. I'm talking Lifeline and Beyond Blue in Australia. I looked it up for the UK. I think there's something called Mind and Rethink Mental Illness and Hope for Wellness Helpline in Canada. And I know there are countless others. So let's use those social services if we need them over the next few months. Now, Big Al, I'd like to go to the mailbag. How do you feel about this? I feel relieved, actually. I was wondering when it was going to come. Okay. I see you on the other side of the interwebs. start with Carsten, our Iron Curtain cowboy from Switzerland. Hey, Carsten. He confirmed the German word for friend is Freund. He said, hate to see you struggling. He effectively and rightly pitied us and came to our rescue to close down a ridiculous conversation that could have been tied up with a simple Google search. So thank you, Carsten. <laughs> so what was the phonetic pronunciation? Well, it's hard to tell over a, a text or over a tweet, but gotcha. uh, I think I broadly had it right. And thank you, Carsten, for always having our back here at the Progressive Rugby League podcast. On the quirks of European languages, Laurent Garnier, who cleared up what a friand was in French last week, and friend of the show, suggested he perhaps could double as a progressive rugby league friand of the show. Why not? (laughs) A friend and a friand of the show. We are living in unprecedented times. He also sent us a link to an interview he did on BN Sports in France with the great Rudolf Pires. Now, Rudolf has cult status in rugby league for his famous and enthusiastic bursts of rugby league commentary alongside French legend Louis Bonnery. Think Challenge Cup 2018 or the 2015 NRL Grand Final. Laurent made the point to us that with the world of professional sport effectively in lockdown, the NRL is getting a bit more attention in different markets as sports networks desperately try to fill airtime and fill space. Marty from Newcastle got in touch. Okay, Marty. He said he enjoyed the burst of Pavarotti at the start of last week's show. Yeah, I'll pop that in as a very small statement of solidarity for our friends in Italy who are doing it so, so tough. Uh, heartbreaking over there. And apologies for my humming and whistling over the top. I, I couldn't help it. It is such a stirring rendition of that song. On the musical interludes from last week, in the interests of responsible attribution, that song that was playing in the background while I opened my heart, Big Al, about my rugby league debut, was a song by Willie Vlaughton and Paul Brainard from the soundtrack to the book Northline. So there you go. Now, next, Declan Foy, former Irish international, cross-league honcho and all-round nice guy, got in touch about our chat around technology and a future where the line between a real and unreal experience is very blurred. We were talking about that in the context of rugby league broadcasting of games sans crowds. Another great episode, he said. The bit about the virtual audience reminded me about the episode of Black Mirror, 15 Million Merits, where people live in isolation but are represented by an avatar in the audience. In future, it might be the only way we can fill some stadiums. Yes, I had a read about that episode. It looks very interesting. You know, Big Al, I've had so many people over the last couple of years tell me that I have to watch that series it sounds like a great episode to get stuck in have you ever seen that episode or that series black mirror big yeah i've seen a handful of black mirror episodes and i have actually seen that one so yeah relevant pop culture reference i suppose it's interesting virtual crowds and eventually virtual teams and virtual 
reality, it all sort of leads to that philosophical question of if you believe the experience is real, mm. then doesn't that just make it real? What's reality? Oh, goodness uh, we, are we getting too deep already? Ooh, we're through the looking glass. <laughs> no, that's a good point. I mean, are we talking about the blurred line between real and unreal experiences? And I noted with interest during the week that Formula One racing drivers will be getting involved in esports racing during the Formula One's hiatus, which is so interesting because technology has moved so far in that sport since the days of Prost and Senna that often drivers comment on how driving those vehicles these days is very much like being in a simulator or playing a video game. You're pressing buttons here and there, there are lights flashing, and sometimes the only time they remember it's a real experience is when they crash. Um, (laughs) But that's an extreme example because F1 is at the forefront of technology, but esports will be filling the void for many sports during this next year. And if rugby league halts completely, what will that be like? It might be a window into the future. There will be a time, I think, where esports versions of sports will be so effective and realistic that they threaten the viability of the actual sports. And who knows how far away that is, but it's absolutely possible. Once the unreal feels as real as the real, and that may not be too far away, well, the actual sports might be in big trouble, but will we or they care by that point? Because as viewers, we won't be able to tell the difference. I think that's why many sporting clubs around the world are getting into esports themselves. So if and when it happens, I doubt we'll even notice. I'm pretty sure that the NBA, or at least some of the NBA teams, have an official esports team for you know NBA 2020 or whatever version of the video game is that travels with the team. Wow. Travels with like the real life basketball team and it acts as just like a, another extension of that team. So, yeah, there's plenty of different ways leagues and teams can get into it and you know, it's a growing area. It is. Who knows what's going to happen? Finally, the great Ian from East Leeds or Ian East from Leeds also wrote in Cracking Ep again, lads. Your chat about BMAC and the bench. He only used 14 players in their Challenge Cup win over Uddersfield reminded me of many similar past debates in the South Stand at Headingley. God, we loved Headingley, didn't we? Sure did. One of the many factors that makes some loiners less enthusiastic about his tenure than might be imagined. And he shared some typical tweets from disgruntled Leeds fans that, with the luxury of distance, are actually pretty funny. Can I share a couple with you, Big Al? Please. So this is obviously a common theme during his tenure at Leeds, not using many replacements. Here's one. If Ryan McDermott is only going to use three of the four subs for the games, he may as well put Ronnie the Rhino on the bench. And this, can someone please inform Brian McDermott, we have four subs on the bench, please? Hashtag replace injured player. I I can't believe that hashtag didn't catch on just quietly. Now, Ian also shared a link from the Tides of History. The Tides of History is a great website and social media account that looks at UK working class history, politics and culture, which of course includes the great game of rugby league. It's run by a guy called Anthony Broxton. And the link is to a post from the Tides of History called The People's Game, The Rugby League TV Archive, which lists a whole heap of great rugby league content that people can catch up on over the next weeks and months. There are documentaries, TV dramas, and classic matches, so check it out, The Tides of History. A couple that look really interesting from my end include 1981's Another Bloody Sunday, a unique insight into running the world's worst rugby league team. Now, Big Al, can I share a quote with you from the description of the documentary? A stony-faced Tom Morton, general manager of Doncaster Rugby League team, has just received a copy of the Guinness Book of Records. His team now has an entry for most games without a win. What follows in Barry Cockcroft's wonderful portrait of the club's last four fixtures of the 1981 season is a mixture of the bleak, poignant, and the hilarious. There you go. Doncaster 1981. Another bloody Sunday. 
Another one was State of Hate, the story of the 1985 State of Origin series. I think that's the one where New South Wales won for the first time in a few years from memory. Stephen Waterman, maybe. And yep. a more recent one from 2020, actually. Jimmy McGovern's Moving On. A former rugby league legend is blackmailed by his ex-wife, who threatens to reveal a big secret if he doesn't come up with the money to help her jailbird boyfriend. That sounds pretty alluring to me. Oh, is that fiction or is that real? I think that's a TV drama, but rugby league based. Oh. Yeah. Sounds juicy. Check that one out. But there's many, many more. So thanks, Anthony, and thanks, Ian. Okay. We don't have, unfortunately, a French-Canadian Rugby League update, but um, do you want to try sing it anyway? <laughs> just for well, old time's okay, sake? But if, well, let's, just, let's just do one take. But no you, redos, and that's it. We're, going, we're doing it live. Yeah, but you need to take that into account, the delay. So you really need to come in half a second <laughs> earlier than you think you should. <laughs> so, yeah. So we, we need to actually try make this <laughs> harmonic. We're going... One take only. Going straight in. One okay. take only. All right. Ready? Okay. Remember, yeah. you're on a, a delay of about 0.4 of a second. Yeah, gotcha. Slug big gal and me, we like what we see when it comes to French-Canadian rugby thirty. Mm, there we go. Not great. It was really, it was really weird. I, I couldn't kick in earlier. I found it... Because I've been trained to, to not start until, you know, your delicious R from rugby 13 kicked in. Mm. It was against every single instinct I had to jump early, and I think I only just caught it. So, okay, well done. You know, I'd lo- I can't wait to see how it turns out. <laughs> oh, goodness. Now, uh, Big Al, why don't we finish up with a prog mom or two? Have you got anything for us? I do. My, I'm going to do like a reverse prog mom. All right. right. This is just something I wanted to talk about. I didn't really know where to, where to wedge it in. Okay. So I'm going to say this is, this is a, a prog mom because it's progressive to admit when you you might have been wrong. Ooh. And I'm going to all the stuff I was saying about uh, how great the captain's challenge is going to be. Yeah. And teams are still working out like when to use it and when not to use it. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to morph into something amazing. I think over the weekend, I possibly saw the worst version of what a captain's challenge could be in the Roosters versus Manly game where there was a captain's challenge to challenge a result of which the outcome was going to be the same either way. (laughs) So Manly challenged a knock-on call Hmm. where if the challenge was unsuccessful, then it was a knock-on against Manly on the fifth tackle and it was a changeover. Right. Or if the challenge was successful, it was not a knock-on and Manly were tackled with the ball on the fifth tackle and it was a changeover. (laughs) That was the challenge. The challenge was successful. So instead of it being a knock-on changeover, it was a fifth tackle changeover. And it stopped the game in its tracks. It it was hard to get the right angle. It lasted, it felt like 10 minutes. It was probably more like 90 seconds or two minutes. But it was a real low point for the game's challenge. I'm expecting a huge upswing in the subsequent games. But yeah, the the point you made about how does it it add to excitement. Mm, Maybe you're onto something there. It sounds like after two weeks, the captain's challenge might have jumped the shark. The other thing about the captain's challenge is it really will bring out those players who are real stats fiends. You know, the players who really care about how many handling errors they've made or how many meters they make, that sort of thing. So for cricket fans, when the challenge system came in, everyone used to get on Shane Watson's case because he always used to waste challenges because he thought he was right, but he'd always be wrong. And uh, it was the source of great humor. And I wonder who will be the rugby league version of Shane Watson when it comes to captain's challenges. Those, those players who just are obsessed with their stats and don't want to look bad and they'll believe it. They'll believe that I haven't made a mistake just because they just want it so badly. But the reality is often so different. So that's a good one. Now, for me, we spoke last week about how lovable the Warriors are. 
It's great to see so many Australian fans purchasing Warriors supporter packages to thank them for remaining in Australia. Gee, I hope they have a great season. Wouldn't it be great if they can get into contention somehow and then maybe we can get some crowds back towards the end of the year and, oh, imagine the reaction back in New Zealand come August, September, if they're still in it. Okay, Big Al, thank you for joining me all the way from the other side of Sydney. It has been a pleasure to talk to you. We'll see what happens over the next week or two. I'd like to say a special hello to all our friends in the Northern Hemisphere, as I did earlier. And thank you for staying in touch, and thank you for listening. So, until next week, Big Al, it's Rugby League. Call me! And see ya! Jono, goodbye, farewell. Until next time, in Rugby League, we trust. Boom. Thank you, sir. Cool. No worries. I'll be, I'm really keen to see how the, uh, the FC theme song turns out. <laughs> uh, it's not that great. <laughs>